What's more secure? What's that runway look like over 10 years? Which one can make more money? Welcome to The Pursuit. I'm your host, Ben Spangle. I'm excited to have you here today. At our show, we're all about helping you in the pursuit of your best body, mind, spirit, and life. Thanks for being here. Hey guys, welcome back. I've got my friend Shane Unruh with me and uh, I'm so excited to introduce you to him. I've gotten to know him recently. We actually met at the gym was how we met as he was walking into the gym. I was behind and he had a 10x growth con uh, or uh, backpack on. And so that's how we got our conversation started. And as I learned about Shane, learned that he'd been into real estate investing. And then as I got to know him a little bit better, uh, I'm so excited to introduce you to him because they're him and his wife, Kelsa, they're, they're a young couple and have become very successful at a very young age. And I want you to hear their story. And I love how there's so many different ways to wealth and there's so many different ways to creating a great life. So I'm excited. Thanks, Shane. I appreciate you being here. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Um, yeah, the conferencing, we were, we came to your, your vibe higher and, and I was very pleasantly surprised. We didn't have any expectations going in, didn't know what it was about. And it was great. Me and my wife both had a, an unreal awesome, time. Learned lots. I really appreciate you being there. It was great to have you. Um, everybody, just to give a bit of a background, uh, Shane runs XS Management, which is a real estate investment company, correct? You can correct me along the way for anything. And I know you guys started out with nothing and have built that up to, I think, over 300 properties now, correct? Yeah, yeah. Just under 300 now, yeah. Just under 300. Cool. So before we jump into that and maybe some tips on how people can build their way to wealth, I, I'd love to hear more of your story and uh, how did this all come about? Yeah, so I'll go way back. Just just briefly touch on my upbringing because it's slightly different. Um, I was I was born and raised in northern Manitoba, in a Mennonite community. So a lot different than most people. You know, we didn't have any TV, no radio, nothing like that. Um, they have their own school system. So I was actually the first one in my entire family to go past grade nine. Both my parents were grade eight. Um, huh. I went on to high school pretty much only to play football. Okay, you know, that was kind of the the dream back then. Um, yeah, we got into business. Our first venture, well, we farmed our whole life. Our first venture was a gym. And, you and uh, your wife both farmed? So she was she was from Alberta. She moved out to um, she moved out to Manitoba when we farmed together, yeah, with my family. She was um, Mennonite as well or no? No, she was not. No. I went already what happened, yeah, I can rewind that a little bit. So we we right about that grade eight, grade nine, my parents yeah. had split up and so we okay. had left the church. So so that's why I did did carry okay. on. And cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, before we jump into your business story, just out of curiosity, how, um, what would you say, how has that impacted who you are today? In what ways? You know, there, there's a lot of good stuff. That, for one, the school system itself was so different. Like we, it went to grade nine, but when I transferred to high school, you know, we had already done grade 11, 12 work at, in grade oh, wow. nine. Yeah. Kind of the whole community aspect's really cool. Like they, you know, they start working basically grade nine, they're starting working. So they're farming construction stuff. So um, that side of it's cool. Um, and then, you know, I think I'll, there's a lot that ties into a lot of the visualization and, and, and some of that stuff, they would call it religion, you know, you, there's a faith or a belief. And I think there's a lot of stuff like that, as far as just having good morals and stuff. I mean, it's, it's great. I'm not in it anymore. It's, it's mm-hmm. not for me. But mm-hmm. uh, there, yeah, there wasn't a lot of downsides. I think it yeah, it definitely helped make me who I am today. And there's a lot of good morals. So that's cool, man. That's cool. So now you're done high school. Yep. Yeah. So, so at that point we were planning to farm. We always, I always had a big love for the gym. I used to come out to Alberta and work in the winters, just drive truck and different stuff. 
and there was really no gym in the community we're in. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, that was kind of our first venture in. We built, uh, owned and operated a gym for, for six years. Um, and we actually ended up selling it right when COVID happened. So we can get into that later, but that was perfect yeah. timing. Um, yeah. And then from there, we, we quit farming. We got into real estate actually through mobile home parks. Okay. I had read an article in Forbes. It was called Mobile Home Park Millionaires. And just fate or luck would have it. The one in our town went up for sale. And I dug in and just just loved it. I fell in love with the business right there. And so we jumped right in, bought a big park. It was 18 acres or something. So it was a big handful, very run down, tough mm-hmm. crowd in there. Um, so it was a jumped right in. Uh, we did that. We bought a second park at tax auction uh, two years later, and then pretty quickly realized we couldn't scale mobile home parks. So that's when we transitioned into into apartment buildings. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So going back to the gym, just to give everybody background. So you guys, did did the gym already exist and you bought it or you built the gym? No, no, we built it. So that was a whole... You built it. Okay. Yeah, that, that was honestly probably the first big manifestation of my life was we it, we wanted that gym and about two weeks before we had to pour the concrete because it was coming into winter the guy backed out and we were in a place with just didn't have a lot of contractors and i i called every single one and was waiting for a, a call back and i probably told myself a thousand times a day like we're gonna get this done we're gonna get this done and mm-hmm. and we got the call and yeah built it and uh it was a big risk i mean everyone it was a small town didn't think it would work you know a lot of people didn't think it would work because it, there hadn't been anything like it yep. and it, it ended up it was really successful we we lived there at the beginning pretty much we were open it was you know seven days a week 12 hour yeah. days but and that was you and your wife running it the whole time yeah that was me and my wife it was kind of a funny story that the that gym was called fit 24 7 and it had never <laughs> been closed ever so yeah. the key, they had key fob access we made a decision. We were actually at a conference in the States right when COVID was starting to happen. And we made the decision to sell and move out here, out to Edmonton where we are now. And the day that we handed the the keys over was the first week of the first two weeks to flatten the curve. So timing wise, that was the first time that gym had been open. And yeah, I I know you shared that story with me and I was just so amazed. And it's just, it's so interesting how you can tell um, these different pivotal moments in your life where I believe anyways, that you're just destined for different things. You know, like it's, it's such a crazy story. When Shane tells that literally the keys were given, they just sold the business, handed over the keys and then lockdowns the next day. Right. So a week difference or two weeks or whatever it might've been, then you guys would be stuck with the gym. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of everything. I mean, we, our house sold right then and it was, yeah, if, if, uh, you know, if, and, and we literally, we, we had a five-year plan to move. We were going to wait five years and we went down to this conference and I think this one was in Vegas mm-hmm. and, uh, and there was a little part in it where the guy said, he's like, if you're not in a place where you're growing, he's like, you're not a tree. You don't have roots. He said, you can get up and leave. Mm-hmm. And me and my wife have a conversation and, and we got home and I'm like, look, we, we've, the business is as good as it's ever going to be. We're never going to grow it 10 mm-hmm. times in this town. Mm-hmm. So we made that decision pretty quickly and talked to some people that we knew were interested in it. You know, yeah, again, if we waited one month, they were like, Hey, let's think about it for a couple months or see what happens with COVID. Cause it was just coming, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, that we probably would have never moved. And so yeah, wow. the, yeah. And at that time, did you guys still own uh, the mobile parks? Yeah. And initially the plan was to keep them. We really, I love that business. It just, again, you couldn't really scale it, but you just own the land. You don't own the 
the actual trailers. Um, so we had Can put a ton of... Just to interrupt you for a second, when you see you love the business. Tell me why. What was it that you loved about it? <laughs> well, I love every. I, I love business in general, but the yeah. actual model is pretty cool because you own the land, you don't yeah. own the property, and it's yeah. really too expensive for the person to ever move. So a lot of the trailers are older. They're not worth a lot. It's thousands of dollars to move it. So right. if someone defaults or doesn't pay their rent, mm-hmm. you know you have you know where they're going to be. They're not going to leave their trailer. So it, you, there, it's a good way that way. Um, and it was, it was a lot of fun. Like we, because we spent so terrible much time building that up, you know, my wife's water broke. We were <laughs> reading water at the, at the trailer park. And two weeks later we were there renovating a, a trailer. So we, we spent all our kids grew up, you know, on, and, and so it was, it, I just, I, I enjoyed it. It was outdoors. Once we had moved, it got a little trickier. Um, mm-hmm. we had, cause we had someone managing it and, and then mm-hmm. we fell in love with what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't that. The sentimental so you, you side. Sold them. Yeah, we sold them about a year after we moved. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Uh, sorry, I interrupted your what you were saying there. I just was curious about that. Yeah. No, that's fine. I don't even know where I was going with it, but yeah, I think uh, when you guys have made the decision to move, you had the guy tell you, "Hey, you know, there's you're not a tree. You can pick up and move." Yeah. 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 So we, like I said, we came home. The the gym sold pretty much right away, and then. Our house, it was a very similar thing. We, we listed it and, and that COVID, would, we, it was a little bit after and COVID was just coming mm-hmm. and we got a really good offer. So so we, we decided to sell it and the dad of the girl buying it came to me and he's like, look, he's like, I, I, uh, he said, I don't want to have to buy her all new furniture. Like just leave the furniture. So I'm like, okay, cool. So he wrote me a check and then he came no back worries. the next day and he's like, he's like, I, I don't want to buy anything. He said, I want you to leave the dishes and the cutlery. <laughs> he said, leave the food in the fridge. He said, just, just go so we literally we moved out we moved to edmonton um right during the first lockdown with a little trailer we had our kids stuff and some clothes and that was pretty much it we drove in on the hen day and you probably went two kilometers without seeing a car so it was a a interesting time to move for sure but yeah i guess so how old were your kids well well i'm not good at age one and three i guess okay cool So young family. So you come to Edmonton, you guys just sold the business. You just sold everything. And then what were your next steps? Yeah. So we moved out here. Um, we knew we had actually purchased two small eight unit properties out here already. So we had a little bit of here. Um, mm-hmm. So we had the, the money from the business and we were looking to, we knew we wanted to get into to apartment buildings. That was what we wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, the timing was pretty much perfect because we had all time low interest rates. And mm-hmm. everyone had backed out of the market. So we came in generally in, in bigger commercial real estate, it is harder to get in front of that line because they have a list of buyers that are going to get first dibs. Mm-hmm. We came in at a time when that list wasn't there. So mm-hmm. the first two deals we bought big there, there had been guys leave hard money on the table and walk away from it because they, they, no one knew like maybe the world ends. We don't know. Yeah. And we were, whether it was naive or, or, whatever the case was, but we were looking to buy. So, and, and there was some issues there. Like we, because of COVID, you couldn't get into units. So the first thing we bought was a townhome complex. It was 27 townhomes. Mm-hmm. And I think on the rent roll, there was two empty and we took it over and there were seven, you know, so that's a huge difference in on a unit that size. That's a big difference. We had seven sure, to sure. renovate fully. And so again, we basically, I got all these pictures. We brought the play pens and our kids, uh, you know they were there we were there every single day for all day and pretty much we at, at that time we were doing all the renovations and everything ourselves so we 
we stayed at yeah. the properties and and yeah i I think it's really cool i think it's cool how you and your wife have built this all together and you know often when people get into business whatever kind of entrepreneurial journey they're on i mean the reality is it's just it's more work it's more hours it's more everything right than a typical job and many people they resist that where as you guys you embraced it i mean when you got your your first gym you're living at the gym essentially right you and your wife running it together why do you think or maybe what's helped you guys as a couple because some people think and my wife and i work together so i know my answers but i'm curious from your perspective how has that worked well for you guys or what have you done to make that work well as as building that together yeah you know what i i, I heard someone say this one time and i think it's pretty accurate it's like if you if you start a business together it's kind of like it's like having a kid but you're not leaving it up to fate you're choosing exactly what you're wanting right so one thing that worked really well with me and my wife is we have very different i guess personalities so i'm outgoing i'm the big picture guy whatever she's very analytical so mm-hmm. she loves all the back end stuff that i could not and would not do i do not mm-hmm. like it so mm-hmm. systems processes that that's all mm-hmm. her Mm-hmm. And then the networking, the big picture. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, was it always easy? Not at all. You know, there's, there's lots of times when it's just, you don't have any, you're together all the time when you're working right. 12 hours yep. a day and you have two kids with you there. It's just, it, you know, it's, it's hard, but I always think, I guess with the work-life balance, I always say that there's times when maybe priority is the wrong word, but your business is going to need more energy and there's yep. times when your relationship does, and it doesn't yep. always, it's not always a perfect balance. And we yeah. always, I think the thing that always kept us on the same page was our, our vision or the goal of where we wanted to go was yeah. it was in the future. And it was very, we both knew what that was. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't like, Hey, we're going to be doing this the rest of our lives. And yeah. And so I think, what do, you, what do you love the most about your life now? So there's like that intense all the time kind of period of your life. And now where you're at, what do you love the most? You know what? I love that part of my life. I, I'm still, I like, I like, um, I, I, I love everything about my life. Honestly, my, I got a great family, but the, I enjoy what I do now. So the, mm-hmm. so the buying of the property and the, mm-hmm. the whole structuring the investment. So it makes a lot of sense for the investor and it makes sense for us. And your the network grows and then the type of people you're networking with is totally different now than it was when we moved. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, Again, we're very much those people were like, you know, well, today's an example. My wife's two weeks away from her due date. She's doing and she wouldn't have to, but she chose to go with the guys that do. Um, we're doing like annual inspections on in the building. So she's walking a 96 unit building yeah. and she was selling 50 50s or volunteered to sell them at the Oiler game last night. So like we're yeah. just I mean, the work part, we're always doing it. I think that's for me yeah. when I'm the most happy is when I have something that we're going towards. I get yeah. very, very unsettled if I don't. Yeah. If we're just plateaued. Yeah. I feel the same way. It, uh, and I think a big part of your guys' success too, is that, you know, there's all the things you've talked about and and you love what you're doing and what you're working towards. So many people I find, especially if they've been employees, a large part of their life. I was on the plane yesterday, flying back from Toronto at, uh, like midnight last night. And the lady I was talking to, uh, I was talking to her about financial planning and, you know, we were chatting about what she does. She works up North and she goes, so when do you want to retire? Or, or when are you going to retire? And uh, I said, well, I, you know, I do what I've told you. I got a seminar company, speaking company too. I mean, I have zero desire to retire. I love what I do. And she goes, yeah, it's a little bit different doing that than doing what I'm doing. And so when people are stuck in that, they're doing something they don't want to do, 
that is something you don't want to work at, you know? <laughs> yeah. But you guys found the success of finding what you love. I want to uh, share with people because you, you've done some, in my view, anyways, some pretty cool stuff in the real estate world, more, most, more than most people are ever going to do in their lives. So I'd love to hear some ideas for people because many people listening, they're thinking, hey, how do I create more different income streams? Maybe they like to get into real estate investing in different ways. And so what would be if I if I had Shane's quick do's and don'ts or or here's where I would start? Maybe that's a better question. You know, I've got my business or my job right now. I've got money coming in. I want to get into the real estate world. What, what do you recommend? Yeah, I think the first thing and, and where a lot of people maybe make a mistake is decide what you want out of it. Is it going to be your full-time thing or is it going to be an investment? And those are two totally different things. If it's an investment, you're finding a group or you're finding a person that will help right. you with it. If you want it to be your full-time thing, that's different. But right. what I tell people is like, here's a quick little story of how our first eight unit building went. So mm -hmm. we took it over. It had a very good rent subsidy program in there. So all the rents were guaranteed, vacancy rates guaranteed. Everything was great. Take the building over. Uh, within a couple months, the, the government canceled that program. <laughs> so then you're like, ooh, now the rents are going to come down. We're not covered on vacancy. Not a big deal. Great tenant base still. They're all in there. They're grandfathered in. And then within, I think, like six months, three of the eight tenants died. And wow. so it's like now you have huge cleanup costs and you have yeah. all these things that, that were not expected, right? Yeah. And yeah. then you had, um, we had the boiler go and we had the hot water tanks go. And we had a lady call because her cabinet door fell off. She called the health and safety instead of calling us. They went to look and the railings were an eighth of an inch too wide. So we'd put new railings. in. So, and I tell that story not to like discourage people from ever doing it, but the reality is if you're working a full-time job and yeah. getting all those calls and pumping money into that building, yeah, probably not the look you're probably going for. Probably not the right strategy. Um, but if you want to do it as like, hey, I want to learn the business. Like we knew going in. So it was like, we never had that headache of, hey, this all sucks. And we're like, Hey, the, the vision's bigger, right? Yeah. You so, guys have been running the mobile home parks too. So you yeah, have yeah. lots of experience with that kind of stuff as well. That's right. So yeah, I don't know. For me, you want to do it with enough scale that, that it makes sense. So the tough part is when people want to get in, they usually have enough money for a small property, yeah. small properties. It, it's much, much harder to make money on because you have four units and one person leaves You're 25% vacant. No one underwrites yeah. for that. Right. So yeah. you want to either in my opinion and, and, I think you either invest with someone or groups that are doing it until you yeah. can get to that level yeah, or at least make the determination that you want to do it full time is kind of right. the, the big right. thing. But what are your thoughts on someone, and I'm, I'm an amateur in real estate investing, we own a few properties, but amateur with it. Uh, and, uh, like if they do, uh, uh, they buy their home and they do top top and bottom suite and, and renting out that way. How, how do you feel about that kind of structure? Um, yeah. And, and again, it kind of depends what you want. Are you wanting it because you want a nicer house and you need to help pay the mortgage? Probably right. makes sense. The one thing with top bottom, and we, we did have one initially, I actually have a house that has a suite. We just keep it for when guests are there, mm -hmm. but the basement, mm -hmm. but it's, it's generally like that. Just my, my opinion, a lot of people won't long-term want to stay in a basement suite. There's no sunlight right. and it's right. very like you, you can feel that you're down there. And yeah. or there's issues with like up down tenant. The worst problem in the city with doing that, though, unless you're in like a, a very different neighborhood, there's almost nowhere where there's parking that permits it. So they give all these permits out. And like our house, for example, we have a driveway that can fit one vehicle and there's no street parking. So if someone lived in our basement, they either park behind us or or they, you know, they. so 
the, all those things are things where like on paper, they're a great investment. It's like, oh, we make all this money. Yeah. In reality, though, have I seen a lot of people do it to scale and it work good? Not personally. I'm sure there's people that do, though. Yeah. It, it looks very good on paper, though. Yeah. Cool. Can I ask you some other questions? These are things I've heard of. And again, very amateur. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Um, uh, I don't know anyone person that's done it, but I've heard several people talk to me about where they build the suite on the garage. But yeah. What, yeah. what about that model? What do you think? Yeah, people do it too. But again, it's, it's, I mean, same issues, I guess. It's the same issue. The, the city is really big on there. Two million people inside the ring road is what that push is. So they're permitting everything that can go. Yeah. yeah. If, if you want someone living in your backyard and, and there's all those things, though, it's like who, who has the yard? So our yeah. neighbor did that. They, they have a split like similar to our house and yeah. they split the backyard with a fence, you know, and yeah. now we can see back there one side, they don't yeah. take care of it and there's tall grass. And then, they, and so there's all the things that come along with it. And then it's like, at the end of the day, what's the, what, what is the goal? Is it just, a, is it that thousand dollars a month? Cause you could invest a hundred thousand dollars somewhere else and get that thousand. Is it right. that you actually want a tenant there? You know, yeah. are you trying to sell it and make money? Cause then you're selling to an investor. Um, I, yeah. For just, this is my, and this has been my experience as well, but if you're not doing real estate at scale, it, it, you know, you're going to get the appreciation and stuff on single family houses. But my personal opinion is it needs to be enough scale that it can, you know, it can weather vacancy. It can. And then, and that's the thing too, is if you want to build your rental portfolio up with, with grad suites or duplexes, just imagine the logistics. So we just sure. bought 111 unit property. Mm-hmm. We can go take care of five complaints that we have two roofs. We have a pool. We right. have all this stuff. If we had a hundred single family homes spread out in Edmonton, we'd need 10 people to go do that every day. So scale is kind of the great equalizer. Commercial real estate is valued different than, than houses. So it's all valued on your net income and, and then the cap rate they give you. So the problem I don't, what I don't like about all those things you just mentioned is you're going to sell that based on what the two houses next to you sold for essentially. Right? So if, if, if there's three houses exactly the same, you're kind of the value of the two beside you. Mm-hmm. Commercial real estate is directly related to your net income. So if we get net income, every $1, we get the income up, one single dollar, add $17 of value to that property. Mm-hmm. So if you're good at managing, that's an easy, you take, now you add $10 of rent to 100 units, that's a massive number. You do that every year for 10 years, that's huge wealth creation. That's not risky. That's not... Mm-hmm me guessing that the housing price is going to go up or interest rates are going to come down. This is mm-hmm. just like, Hey, here's the model. Mm-hmm. It's safe. It's secure. You know, it's not, I'm not trying to get rich tomorrow. We want over mm-hmm. time, we want to build wealth. So I think there's just a disconnect between real estate's like, Hey, we're real estate investors and that's everybody. Right. And there's like 20 genres, there's fix and flip people. There's yeah. So it, it's slightly different, but you can make money at all of them. I'm sure, but they're not my personal favorite or wheelhouse, I guess. Cool. Let, let's talk a bit about um, you, that idea. You said, okay, well, maybe that's not you. You're not going to, you don't want a full-time job. You don't want to do that. So then they do want to get into real estate investing and that concept of like those pooled ones or group ones. Give me the basic rundown and idea of that. Yeah. So there's a hundred different guys. I can tell you kind of how ours is structured and I'm not sure. trying to, and, yeah. and there's not saying ours is the, the way to do it or not. Yeah. We essentially run a limited partnership. And, and so we structured it that way for the main benefit of, of the depreciation flows down to the investors. So when people come in, 
yeah, everyone's pooled together. We also do it as a fund instead of on single assets because on a single asset, you can have a bad year, the roof goes. And if, if it's pooled over hundreds of units, it makes it a lot more secure. So we structure it that way. So yeah, someone comes in as a limited partner, there, there's no risk to them. Like as if they bought their own property, the general partnership holds liability. And then, but you still get the benefits of mortgage pay down, you get the appreciation and then the depreciation flows through. So if you pay, generally, if we pay distributions, it's return of capital and the depreciation washes away. The income. Probably getting too technical, but it's very similar to owning. It's just like, would you rather own 10% of a hundred units or a hundred percent of 10 units? And what, what's more right. secure? What's right. that runway look like over 10 years? Which one can make more money? And then it's also like, who are you getting to manage it? The problem with a 10 unit building, if it, let's say it produces a million dollars a year, you know, you're paying someone 5% management fee, that's $5,000. So how much care are you getting out of that? You know, $5,000. It's so you, you kind of, you get a lot, I think that just with scale is what I like. And I think you're better to own a small part of a, a big, big property money. That's cool. my bias, though. Opinion. That's awesome, man. That's really awesome. You've got a podcast more specific to real estate investing as well, correct? Yeah, real estate investment. I, it's called Scaling Up, and it's it's about yeah. I love all business. We brought in you know people from all over, but uh, yeah. real estate is kind of my passion for sure. So cool. I love it, everybody. If you're you're wanting to get more, check out Shane's podcast for sure. Scaling Up. Uh, I got a question for you. Switching back to you told the story of you know, three tenants died, then this happened, then this happened, this happened. I'm just curious because everybody deals, you know, everyone gets things that come up in their life that can cause stress. How do you manage stress? What are strategies that you use for yourself personally? Um, you know what? I, I yeah, I, I just rarely get very stressed about things myself. That's just my personality mm-hmm. type. And, mm-hmm. but I do, I do a lot. I do reading, working out's been there for me forever. So that's something I do every day that I think helps. Yeah. Um, as far as like physical stuff, it's like working out. I do cold yep. showers and stuff. Yep. But as far as you know, what I don't, I don't get terribly stressed when it's stuff like business and stuff. And yep. one thing that really kind of changed my life, I talked to a guy one day, and, and his daughter had just got like a, a pretty regular like cold, and they went to the hospital, and it turns out it was something way worse, and she ended up being couldn't walk, nothing. And like every time I think of that story, I'm like, there could be nothing in my life that could be that bad, you know, like, yeah. unless it happens to my kids, my life is awesome. Yeah. So it's like everything else. Bad. Yeah. yeah. And then I always work things the wrong way when things like that happen and you get stressed, I say, okay, what's the absolute worst case is, is what like, really those people die. We lose money for a while. We put some money in the runway is long. I have 20 years to hold that building if I want to. Yeah. Then it doesn't look so bad. So just yeah. getting outside the moment and, and lengthening the runway. I love that. But I mean, those two strategies are great strategies, what you're talking about. One is contrast, right? Like, you know, we all think our problems are such a big problem until you realize that story of his daughter that, you know, can't walk anymore. I mean, who cares? I lost a tenant. You know, the railing needs to get fixed. I I lost the business deal. lost the, who cares, right? In the grand scheme. And then that perspective of is, you know, really does this matter in five years, 10 years, 20 years? So I mean, those are great things that you do probably, you know, a little unconsciously just step into them and do them. Not a big deal, right? Not a big deal. It's awesome, man. I think the entrepreneurial journey, no matter what the path, I think is the best personal growth tool. One of the things I've loved our conversations, I think probably why we connected right away too, is that although you guys have been on a business path for a long time and building some great success there, you've been heavy into your own ongoing growth and development too. So maybe as we begin to close today, 
do you want to share the impact of, I guess, how you guys have invested, not just into assets, but into yourselves and the impact and what that's made in your life? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm all for it. it. It pretty much at every step of my life, it started with, with books and I would read mm -hmm. books and, and you would mm -hmm. take little things from there. And then actually it was right even before we moved, you know, we, I took a real estate course and that was, we didn't have a lot of money still at that time. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think like $5,000 and that was the hardest $5,000 I probably spent in my life. Mm -hmm. And we took away and, and I, I didn't take away a whole bunch and all, but I took away one, you know, little thing about the way they finance their deals that clicked with me and that changed the way we did things. Mm. And that's made us, you know, endless amounts of, of money and stuff. And even with our business now, like when we came here and and set it and and set our business up, I said from the beginning, I said, here's our goal. We want mm -hmm. 100 million in assets by 20 the end of 2024. Mm -hmm. And and you know, at the beginning, you're probably people are probably thinking you're a joke because you have no assets and and whatever. But mm -hmm. what it did do is anyone who did who is in our company today does you know did buy into that. And they knew that there's room in there for them. So mm -hmm. it's not like we're just going to run a small business and they're going to cap out here. There's mm -hmm. really an endless runway because that's only in the first three years. So we're halfway to that goal today and we're halfway in time as well. So we've hit our half. So had we not said that, you know, put that goal out there for the public and made it yep. quite public and told all the brokers and everyone we worked with. Yeah. Would, would we have got there? I'm not really sure. So yeah, it's still today we're doing... Like we did your seminar, we did, yeah. you know, we, we go down to the States and do a lot of stuff and yeah. it's, uh, I think it's one yeah. of the biggest things. So I think it's awesome, man. I, I, as soon as you said, it started with the book, it, it, this idea flashed in my mind of even giving people advice of start where you are, right? Like maybe you're just on your journey. You got no cash. No, anybody can afford a book, start with books, start with YouTube, start with podcast, probably you can get some courses after that and eventually get into the live events, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I know, you know, this cause you've experienced it. It's what you're learning at those, but then I imagine some of the connections you've made at, uh, at those events too, end up being very significant. I know it's been the same for me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's you, you get a network with a lot of cool people and it gets you out of your comfort zone and, and yeah, I'm all, I'm all for any kind of form of self-education. I always say to you, you ask how to start investing. I would say, you know, if, unless you have a, a, a good amount, but if you have, $10,000 or something, I would say invest that in yourself, like get mm -hmm. a skill, get, get something. Mm -hmm. And it can be, you know, how to like the first book I ever bought was, or that I really, really took away from was how to win friends and influence yep. people. And that was like one of my, you know, that was a $10 book probably, but, yep. but invest in yourself. And, and I think you, you know, then you're a product that the world wants. And, and I think it, it all gets a lot easier. That's something no one can take from you. You know, inflation doesn't eat away at your skills or anything. So, well said. Yeah, really well said. I love it, man. Where can people connect you? Where's the best spot you want them to go to? You know what? I'm probably the most active on Instagram. So it's, uh, yeah, if you go like scaling up or if you put in Shane under, there'll be my personal account, which is just me scaring my kids. But if you go to, my, <laughs> you'll see scaling up one. That's my that's my business one. I'm the most active there. Or uh, cool. excess asset management. I do. I, I'm on that account as well. And that's our website as well. So Great. Great. We'll have that link to everybody below for you. But Shane, hey, I appreciate the time, man. I've loved our chat. Look forward to spending more and more time together. And uh, everybody, listen, if you liked today, go connect with Shane, check out his podcast, learn some more. Appreciate you being here. Shane, thanks again, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. <laughs>